Rise and shine, Mr. Freeman. Be careful of what you do. Big Brother is watching you. You say that you got me all in the mother. Rather than offer you the illusion of free choice, I will take the liberty of choosing for you. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Hurricane Labs podcast, episode point zero two. After the reboot, the uh, cyber buzzwordy breachy WordPress edition. I'm Bill Matthews. I'm Tom Kupchak. I'm Corey Ham, and I'm the noob David Nahota. So we'll start out by letting Dave introduce himself because uh, he's only been here what two, three weeks. This is my fifth. Fifth week. Well, hey, Two I weeks. got closer on you <laughs> Two weeks. than I have on anyone else. I couldn't tell you how long Corey's been here. I've been here for at Enough. least three days. So at I'm, least three days. I'm the noob here. I've been in the, the IT space for about 15 years with about 10 in, in the, uh, the IT security realm. I've done some focus around intrusion prevention, vulnerability assessments, remediation, but plan on picking up a lot, and I'm excited to be here. Yeah, he came here so that he could learn a little bit less. And, uh, Been learning and, and way hopefully too much. forget a lot. That would be good. Um, so we're still we're still hiring some people, uh, Splunk administrators, network security people, some SOC people. Really, we need we need a few more SOC people. So that would be awesome. Nobody seems to want to apply for that job. I'm not quite sure why. We're just looking at packet. We have our, all day. we have our theories. We do have our theories, but Is it, they all revolve around Joe. We can now we can do our Joe impressions. We could do Joe impressions now. Uh, <laughs> Be a sock analyst. Well, <laughs> all I have to say is if you think the idea of working for either Bill or me is absolutely distasteful, you might want to work for the sock. It's true. It's absolutely true. So we do have some cool stuff up on the website. I think it's up on the website now. One of our developers, Colton, he's got a, uh, a nice screencast going on about basically how you can make your applications log a little bit better. Uh, he wrote a library that... I'll do it. I'll do it a horrible disservice. So make sure you go watch his uh, his screencast. But basically, it lets you say, "Here's some logs," and it converts those logs into JSON, which which are very machine readable. And Splunk really likes it, so we we like that too. I think McMaster told me that he gets a text if one of his applications stack traces in the middle of the night. Well, that's actually a different thing. That's a service we use, which oh, is pretty neat. Okay. Um, called Bugsnag. Okay. Yeah, because I was just thinking of all the fun things you could do, all the fun stack traces you could send to someone. Oh, you... oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I plan to. Once they get, once they get something that I'm waiting on in production, I am going to make sure it stack traces all night long. Because I guarantee you, I'm up longer than the two of them. So, <laughs> uh, but check that out. It's it's actually pretty cool. And uh, going on to that, uh, we um, we have a bunch of our apps up there, our Splunk apps along with some of the libraries that Colton has developed and, and Steve McMaster. So go check that stuff out. So that's all the commercials I'm doing. So apparently, uh, government-grade security is not what it used to be. Apparently, spear phishing still works. Apparently, you can just I send an email and get right in. I know. It's all about email. I remember <laughs> seeing the uh, picture of Hillary Clinton saying, oh, yeah, I'm glad I wasn't using your server. <laughs> 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 kind of... Uh, blatant point there but a little, little bit of payback i just i thought it was interesting that they're like this is a cybersecurity emergency right. but really it's been national what? national emergency. i'm sorry national, national cybersecurity emergency. emergency when really this attack had been kind of floating around for well how long half a year a year who knows i mean listen if you've ever done anything with government people you know that the only way to get them to do anything is to declare it a national emergency that's true you and then and then six months later something might happen well right maybe maybe yeah, this happened in October, I think. 
Oh, well, they're on top of it then. That's pretty quick for government work. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, they have to have a committee to be formed right. to... I mean, a statement right. has to be prepared. Emerge- they got to put a lot of money into it. A lot of money. I mean, they hired at least 15 bureaucracies. To do I this. still, and we talked about a, a lot of podcasts like the Edward Snowden stuff and like basically how he walked out of the NSA with all this stuff and the NSA still doesn't know everything he has. Isn't the White House more important than the NSA? They said it was a, not it was, not according to the NSA. It was oh, well. declassified <laughs> info. So it was, but it was so it was private, but it was declassified. Or it was wasn't classified. It wasn't declassified, but it was not classified information. It was just information on President Obama's daily schedule or what. I imagine it like some Windows XP machine that's been sitting in the White House for like two years and no one's updated it. So it just has like a little display that says, "No, no here's what you're doing today, Obama." It's actually an XP machine from the Bush administration. <laughs> Bush wasn't on XP. Bush was everything on is. Still, everything is still Bush's fault, so that, well, that's I okay. Well, I mean, I assume during the Bush administration, they were on, like, Windows NT 3.1. Probably, yeah. And then they upgraded to XP when Obama was elected. Like <laughs> they, they, they wanted to focus behind. on security. Well, anyway, so. <laughs> I don't know that the um, president's schedule was necessarily a matter of national security, but it might be. Well, an IP in the White House, I assume, is a powerful IP to have. Yeah, sure. That's a good IP. If you're a Russian hacker. Yeah. You gotta know when he's golfing. Right, well... I mean, I don't know. I probably don't want people to know when he's meeting with, like, you know. The foreign diplomat of, like, Malaysia President of China or, yeah. or you know, they, something like that. They probably have special rules and other fo- firewall policies for the hide net of the White House, you know, yeah, to sure let it they de- do. <laughs> I just thought it was funny that the, the compromise came from a phishing attack that was from another compromised government server, an well, email server. It's actually, I mean, it's what we talked about on the last podcast. You know, you're never going to fix stupid. I mean, people are always going to be clicking links and always going to be doing that stuff. I think we have some information about that actually down a little bit further, but yeah, you would think somebody with like that kind of access would at least have some security training or some understanding that we don't just click things that people send to us. You would hope. Even with that, with the right attack, you're going to get someone to fall for it. Well, sure. Especially if you have a trusted, quote unquote, trusted email that you're sending your attack. All you need to do is spoof Obama's email address so that it looks like, hey, you know, impending cuts in the White House staff, you know? They're going to click on that. They don't enforce that. SPF at the White House? So, you know? <laughs> nope, not at all. <laughs> but but something like that, it's just a targeted attack like that. Someone's going to click on the link. Probably. I, I, I guess. And then my favorite one is the last story. The White House was hacked. Could it happen again? <laughs> of course. <laughs> it's gonna. <laughs> I think it's funny that now with this cybersecurity initiative, they're like, all right, guys, now it's really time to start ramping up cybersecurity response when it comes to Russia. Like, how have we not... How is that just now that we're realizing maybe we should start convicting these people of felonies instead of just second-degree misdemeanors? Oh, because extradition in Russia is going to totally work. Yeah, totally. They, have, sure. they don't even have the money to ship people over here right now, let alone <laughs> actually, like, figure out the legal process. To well, do even it. if we paid for it, I doubt they'd actually do it. Oh, yeah. yeah Russia, Russia is not going to cooperate with our government. No. So why – and I don't know. I, I read the statement by the EFF that basically was saying that the sanctions – could potentially be bad for cybersecurity research. I wasn't really sure. I mean, I understand basically the they're revamping the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act to say that now. You mean the one written in 1986? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like the DCMA Act of yeah. 2000 before they had like DVDs and stuff. Right. Um, but yeah, so basically they said that they're increasing sentences for people that are convicted of computer hacking. I'm not really sure how that interferes with cybersecurity research because. Well, See, cybersecurity researchers are weird, or security researchers are weird. Are you talking because, about, like, independent security well, they have, researchers? They have, like, this horrible persecution complex 
where they think no matter what the law is, if they're stiffening it for um, for for bad guys, that means they're going to come after the researchers. Now, in some cases, it absolutely does, and they absolutely do. But again, it depends on what you're doing. I mean, you have a lot of these researchers that are actually breaking into systems that don't belong to them. And then they're like, well, I was just doing it for research. No, actually, that's a crime. Well, they're it's still an... profiting from their research. Sure. Presumably, of right? Authorization, are. permission, that all still matters regardless uh, of, of what you're doing. I mean, it's I... not like our pen tester core, you know, you guys aren't just scanning random no. companies. We normally don't just hack purpose. into the White House. <laughs> right. Usually we try to avoid White House IPs. and uh, so. But we... when you do a pen test with a customer... They ask for it. Well, <laughs> they usually, do usually. Yeah, usually. The they do. Sometimes they don't know what they're sometimes, asking for. Sometimes they're asking for things they don't want. So, yeah. Sometimes they're some one person at a company is asking for something, and the other people are saying, "Please no." But regardless, we do have permission, and I think that the question. But of, they have to sign something. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, they give us permission one way or another, and also we try to stay in scope. And I would hope that any real security researcher out there would obtain permission and stay in scope. Well, that's the problem is that, you know... Who claims to be a security researcher? Well, well, there's that. I mean, I'm not even talking about, like, you know, the attribution issue. It's more like, so if Dave owns a company and I'm like, hey, Dave has a computer I'm interested in. Hmm, let me see if it's vulnerable to something. I don't have permission for that, I, you know? At that point, you're basically having unauthorized access to a system that you don't own. That's a violation of the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a protected machine because it's connected to the internet, just like a coffee maker. But yeah, <laughs> well, that's a whole other story. Yeah, yeah, we so, talked about that one. We we got we we beat that one to death a couple yep. weeks ago. So will this be the death of gray hat hackers? I feel like gray hat hackers don't get convicted all that often. Do no, they? it does. Well, a no, they, it doesn't happen all that. Well, first of all, even like the even actual if they hackers had a company don't. with that kind of stuff. You know, if if History and statistics are on my side. Chances are Dave's not going to notice me poking around anyway. Right. Because companies just don't. I mean, they just don't notice these things sometimes. But anyway, short answer, yes, the White House will be hacked again. No, security researchers aren't going to start being locked up in mass. But again, the, the, the 1986 one was like the subject of horrible fear. I rem- I'm older than all of you. Except, yeah, I'm older than you, too. <laughs> So I actually remember when that actually became a thing and I was getting into security in like the early 90s and, you know, it was like four, five, six years on. And I remember vividly the fear that went through a lot of people like, we're going to get locked up because of this horrible thing. And I, I don't think it's ever happened in a case where they didn't steal something, right? I yeah. mean, it's extreme. It's extreme cases. The Computer Fraud and Abuse Act has only been used to convict right. people who have done something extremely beyond what. Well, you know, and again, it's not, you know, the thing with laws are you can't say I didn't know. I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, but like if you take something that isn't yours and then you do something with it, the author doesn't like. Yeah, they they have to have some sort of recourse. Is it locking you up forever? Probably not. That's probably not fair. But, you know, like um, like the kid that killed himself, which sucks. But he, you know, he took some documents in an academic store where they were charging for them, which I think is. Oh, you mean Aaron Schwartz? Aaron Schwartz. I think that's repellent that companies do that, but I don't, or colleges do that, but I don't think you have the right to break in, steal them, and publish them and, and take that away. Now, should he have been prosecuted to the end of his life? No, that's nonsense. 
But, you know, should he have been charged with some theft? Probably. We need something to be able to convict some teenager who dosses. We, we need with, some middle right? ground. Yeah. They, they need there has some, to be some leniency. And I think that's like with the DMCA, and with, which, again, the DMCA is like written by the RIAA. Yeah, <laughs> it's basically that. written by Hollywood. Yeah, so they or, can, uh, you know, send you cease and desist letters yeah. and um, all that other stuff and claim that it's under the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. Yeah. But whatever. Uh, look, it must be uh, it must be Thursday. There's some WordPress vulnerabilities. <laughs> um, <laughs> that could apply to any day that ends in Y. It's true. It's true. So WordPress is a problem. It's Again, always been a problem. I don't know that WordPress core is its pro- is the problem. It's all the plugins and things. But. Definitely. And I, I also think this is just putting a new spin on an old problem. Yeah. Like you're basically using ISIS to fearmonger people into patching their systems, which they already should have been doing. Yep. And I mean, if, if you haven't already been, if you've been running a WordPress site for any long amount of time and you haven't patched and you haven't been compromised by someone else that isn't ISIS, then, <laughs> then I am quite shocked because, I mean, I think we all know about search engine optimization hacks and all those DNS poisoning, all that crap. It's already happened to you if you run an unpatched WordPress site. So ISIS right. is the least of your concerns. You should probably get the Viagra ads off your site before. <laughs> then, So worry about the Viagra ads first. Then worry about the ISIS ads. I mean, if if you're running a, just a non, you know, high-profile WordPress site, like Corey's blog.info yeah. or whatever, and you get hacked by ISIS, you sh- it's almost I'm, like getting a I'm getting recognized. some traffic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I'm happy. Maybe that'll b- give me some traffic. I'll be the first person to get hacked by ISIS. Let me bring up my vulnerable WordPress instance <laughs> I have running on me.info. Well, I don't know who I uh, who I made mad. But some dude from Pakistan is, like, stalking me. He's, like, cyber-stalking me. <laughs> he sent me, like, uh, five or six emails with just one or two letters in it. And then he started uh, he started trying to follow me on LinkedIn. He followed me on Twitter. It's all the same name. Like, I, I'm sure it's not his real name, or at least I hope it's not his real name. And he's probably not actually from Pakistan, but that's what his LinkedIn profile says. And it was just interesting to me that, like, I'm being targeted that way. But I wonder, like... If that has something to do with the WordPress stuff, like where where did he get my information from? Well, the question is, is he just a big fan of your work? No, that is unlikely. <laughs> None of those exist, I assure you. But like, you know, like, you know, ISIS is going to attack, ISIS is going to hack me. Yeah, I mean, if I worked for a government or something, I'd probably be a little worked up about somebody from Pakistan, you know, basically Definitely. trolling around my stuff. Yeah, I think it's also news sites... But the thing is, they're only going to target... ISIS has, like... They have a marketing department, right? Apparently. I mean, at the end of the day, they <laughs> have a... That's what I understand. It's someone's job. Don't they... Didn't they say they have, like, ISIS film school now where you can actually go... Like, <laughs> I I'm serious. I thought awesome. I saw they had, like, ISIS film school and you can go and, like, learn how to be good at, like, propaganda and, like, participate in this film festival. Anyway. Um, <laughs> hey, Kelsey. <laughs> we're going to send you somewhere. They should... They could learn something. <laughs> Some investigative reporting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's on it's all right it's now. all in the interest of cybersecurity. Right. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, if ISIS has a marketing department, they're only going to target people that are t- sites that are high volume, and those sites sure. are going to be. Well, punched. I mean, you know, if the news is to be believed, they can basically their 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 marketing department, as you call it, could get people to do anything. Yeah. So. Well, obviously, because they're in control of basically the entire world right now. Oh, according to everyone. Yeah, that's what I heard on the news. It must be true. So anyway. I had a point with my Pakistan thing, but I don't quite remember what it was. But it did all tie in, and it was going to be really cool, but I guess not. Not anymore. I thought it was... Well, I mean, I thought it was pretty cool as it is. You have a big fan in Pakistan. I that do. rhymes. He's kind of creepy, actually, um, judging on the research I've done on him. 
So it's like a real person, but I don't know if it's actually him doing it. So, but he's kind of a creep. So, so are you running any WordPress sites that you haven't patched in a few years? Well, <laughs> I am now. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to see what he's gonna do. Yeah, I actually did set up a honeypot for him. So, oh, good. And, and uh, accepted hopefully. his LinkedIn invite and replied with, uh, "Hey, check out my new site." And so hopefully we'll he's uh, really smart and figured out the podcast exists. And I hope he's so. He's listening to this right now, and he's probably translating it really poorly. And well, fortunately, and we're not doing this live, and I'm shutting down the honeypot tomorrow, so I think it'll be okay. Aww. I think it'll be okay. <laughs> so we'll we'll update so, with the next podcast yeah, and see absolutely. how the status of the honeypot went and what you got. I'm just curious as to what the guy's up to. That's all. I mean, he could have ties into the NSA and might be listening to this live, for all we know. That's true. If you're listening, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but we're not sorry. Not really. So I must have been sleeping or something and or Rip Van Winkling. Um, I didn't know about this malware until today. Uh, I guess that means the sock is doing a really good job here because I didn't get uh, I didn't get anything about it until one of the guys asked me if he could write a blog post about it. That that was literally <laughs> the first I'd heard of it. So. We're not a big enough company. We're not cool enough to be targeted by this malware. No, clearly not. I was like I was like five hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> Go ahead, try. See <laughs> <laughs> if we can wire transfer that. <laughs> If they can, I'm gonna uh, I'll packet capture it so I can figure out how to do it. But yeah, apparently there's like this malware that I guess steals money from corporate bank accounts. I mean, people have been doing this with personal bank accounts for a really long time. So this is well, it's, it's a really combination. It's a combination of malware and advanced social engineering. But honestly, it, they say advanced social engineering. I'm not really sure what that means, right. but I, I also the, it's, it's polished. Um, they, they they have a legitimate call center for their leg- malware. <laughs> <laughs> they have a legitimate call center that is like they had to uh, outsource it because <laughs> their costs were too high. Um, but no, so here's the thing: they talk about this adv- advanced malware, but from the description of the malware, it seems that the only thing it does is replace a phone number in a web page. Listen, when journalists refer to something as advanced or military grade encryption. Or government grade encryption, you know, it's just it's just they don't really understand it because the malware is not all that advanced. And so mm-hmm. reading the so from reading the description of the malware, basically what it does is you click something you shouldn't click. You get malware that basically replaces the phone numbers yeah. on your bank sites with the phone numbers of the advanced super advanced social engineers and then you call them somehow and they facilitate a wire transfer to well that's what mike accounts well i was reading that that's what kills me like one of our vendors used to and they don't do it anymore so maybe it's changed and i don't know they used to force us to wire transfer money to them every year to to be renewed in their program because they're they're out of the out of country their, their headquarters was... You sure this was a legitimate vendor? Yeah, yeah. No, it was. <laughs> this was it a was. very advanced social engineering attack vendor. By Checkpoint, yes. Uh, because Checkpoint's based in Israel, and, and you so you had to wire transfer money to Israel, and they finally got smart and started accepting money here, so we don't have to do that anymore. But back when we had to do that, I mean, it was like an act of God <laughs> to get the wire transfers done. So I can't understand how something like that would just... You'd think the concept of an easy wire transfer. You couldn't even do it over the phone. You shouldn't. Like, you had to go to the bank because you're wiring internationally. You had to go to the bank. Yeah. You had to show them your ID, even though you were, and back then is when I, I handled all the transactions and stuff. They knew me by name. They knew my wife's name. They knew my dog's name. I mean, they knew everything about me. They still I had to show them my ID. They had to take a copy of it. I mean, it, literally, it was like an act of God. So you got to wonder, maybe like on big in big business, they just wire money around all the time. I guess. <laughs> They're just like, oh, a $2 million wire transfer that came in islands? That's just another day of business. That was it? way more terrifying to me than some drive-by malware. I mean, it just it really was. <laughs> it's like, wait, all I have to do is... 
tell you I'm with that company and I can transfer money, well, I'm there. Well, as far as yeah, that's true. I don't know exactly. I mean, obviously, we don't know the details of the, the actual attack, but that's I would not going to stop us from speculating. No, that's true. I I would assume it's just a phone call, and then they say like you know. Okay, well, we're going to need the wire transfer. Maybe they just get bank. Maybe it's like an ACH transaction. The way it looked like is they would just log into the financial institution's website and do whatever once you're logged in as the user. But still, I... I don't well, know. They didn't Is there that. a big red button on the website that says, hey, wire this money to... No, I mean, that's not... <laughs> the attack that I read described... So they they have... The goal of the attack is not to infect the computer or get username or password. The inf- the goal of the attack is to facilitate a social engineering attack. Yeah, so... so they, the goal is to get them on the phone they with... They get you on the phone... social engineering and make the And make the number look legitimate. I mean... And, yeah. Yeah, well, you, call the, num- the you bank, call the number, right. they answer saying, hey, this is... It's Whatever like a reverse bank. TCP payload for social engineering. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm just amazed that it's that easy. Like, it's all done yeah. over the phone. That you think that you could call... Well, that the social engineer is able to facilitate a wire transfer over the phone. That's kind of amazing. Yeah. I'd like to sit in on one of those calls. Well, well, what they're doing, they get the username, the password, any well, two-factor yeah, information from like, there. Uh, and the then information you are from in the, the user, and then they call the bank. You are in the bank system yeah. at that point. Yep. So... Mm. I guess it depends on the bank that they're targeting and so what they, options they have. They're not social engineering the attacker or the victim into making the wire transfer. They're stealing the info right. and then making. They're it stealing themselves. legitimate credentials and okay. bypassing any two-factor or you know multi. But again, I don't thing. know of a bank where you can just initiate a wire transfer on the website. Also, like, I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't. Like, yeah. You can't do that. I mean, I don't that, know that, either. I, clearly, we all have the so, wrong bank accounts. Huh? <laughs> we clearly all have the wrong bank. Yeah, accounts. clearly. <laughs> But I don't know a lot of financial institutions where you can get in without two-factor type of auth anymore, without them having well, uh, remember, your IP though, initially. A lot, them, <clears throat> a lot of them don't do true two-factor. What they're doing is that multi-factor. So it's it's you know your name, username, a password, a captcha, and then probably like a special word or something like that, like your favorite pet's name or color blue or hey, is this your icon? Sure, that's my icon. <laughs> I mean, if I'm an attacker, you're showing me the Sure, why not? <laughs> I mean, I've never had them present, like, a wrong icon to me. It's always, like, is this your icon? Is it so, a cat? Yeah, well, yeah. Okay. It's always a cat. Well, so here's the thing. This attack, while the news articles would like you to believe that it's super advanced, it's clearly just an advanced, confusing version of a normal social engineering yeah. attack where you call someone and ask for information that you shouldn't be asking I, for. I also question a lot of the details on it. I mean, we had some customers hit with it, from what I understand. Really? But um, I questioned some of the details of it. So I mean, if you okay, so if you if you call your bank and they ask you what your SSN is, you should hang up. You should already know that if you call your bank and they don't know who you are already. Well, usually, they ask you for the last four. They don't ask you they, for the yeah. full. Well, also, why would they so. ask you for your username and password? Like the general. They should rule, never ask you for yeah, your password. Your general rule of thumb when you're calling your bank or anyone, if you're calling anyone you trust, they should have the information that you have beforehand, and they shouldn't and they have should to ask you. Definitely for it. not ask you for your password. Yeah. If something pops up on my screen, blaring a phone number to call, I'm not calling it. <laughs> <laughs> Just hey, by nature. Wire transfer now. <laughs> hey, hey, it's the bank. <laughs> We need you to wire transfer some stuff. <laughs> okay. Pretty silly. Let me just call president this guy. of Exxon Oil. <laughs> Please initiate a wire transfer. Oh well, if the bank says to do it, then I might as well. All right. All right. Moving on. I don't know why this is here, but it doesn't matter because Google Fiber is supposedly really cool. So they're going to Salt Lake City, which is not where I live, so I don't care. What are they doing? 
This isn't. They're not in Cleveland. They need no. to be in Cleveland. They need to move east. Listen, now. you could move into Cleveland for like five dollars. You least. could literally buy half the city for like the half of you know the price of Salt Lake City. I'm sure. What about that company though that is in Cleveland that's doing the hundred gig fiber? Which one? Uh, was isn't that, that one, one community? community? Yeah. Oh uh, well. Hundred gig. Can we get yeah. that? No. <laughs> we don't, we're not in Cleveland. Oh. Well, can we move to yes, Cleveland? Yes, I would be happy with that. And then we can. I can have my hosting box be at a 10-gig connection. Then I can torrent even. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for the cease and desist letters I get for you. Dear Hurricane Labs, <laughs> this IP is vulnerable. Please kill Corey. <laughs> well, um, Corey would just be help, helping to keep the Postal Service alive. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> they so, come with um, a truck. And not a <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know what Google Fiber has to do with security, but that's okay because I really would like to have some. I would like some. I too. would like some sort of connection that isn't crappy Time Warner. It would be so wonderful. Did you see they have a free tier? Do they now? You, you buy the equipment, you pay the installation fee, and then it's free. Well, I canceled their TV service. Oh, I'm talking about Google Fiber. Oh, f- oh well, that's cool. I know. Well, yeah, you yeah. probably get ads, though. Probably. Yeah, well, that's but, fine. Well, I mean, with Google, you can't do anything without selling over your personal right. preferences without knowing it. And that's that, fine. Well, AT&T's U-verse equivalent of that does the same thing, though. Does it? Uh, there, there's actually there's an article I read where, by default, if you buy the basic plan for, like, the U-verse super high speed, mm-hmm. 100 megabit, whatever, or gigabit, I don't know what speed it's it was. It's not it was gigabit. Fast. Spoiler alert. It was, it was fast, Supposedly fast for Tom, but is they actually yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. 56k. No, but they actually like do analytics on your traffic and target advertisements based on sure. that. And of course, they do. You have to pay like twice as much to opt out of that. Yeah. But again, I mean, so Google, I guess it's just implied, but that's not, yeah. Well, with Google, it's implied, but also, like, I mean, come on, it's not like you know, if you get direct TV or you get like, um. Uh, or just even cable. I mean, they sell local advertising. You could you see targeted ads anyway. Yeah, definitely. I, I never ads. saw yeah. like uh, there's this dating website for farmers. I never saw a commercial for it until it switched to Directv, <laughs> and now I get commercials for it all the time. And I, my wife was like, "Well, yes, yeah, stupid. We live like 15 minutes from like huge farming communities." I'm like, "Oh well, I don't know." <laughs> but. That's not targeted advertisements in the sense that you know you're you're doing not a reading lot, your accessing data. a lot of farming right. information. But they access your your location. Yeah, location is one thing, oh. but it's not based on like if they were seeing the TV shows that you watched well, and targeted. Facebook already does that. Yeah, Everyone does that. I mean, so. They all do that. That's... I mean, you you might get like you know HTTPS you know, and SSH. You know what that ads. started though? That started with like TiVo. <laughs> TiVo used to do that. They used to uh, when they first came out. They would like they'd polish it and they would like say so Kelsey for instance if she watched a lot of I don't know what what kind of shows would Kelsey watch like Buffy or Friends or something like that they would then recommend a bunch of shows just like that uh, for her so like we used to we used to mess with them and like my wife and I would like turn it on like these weird History Channel shows like the really weird what ones do you back mean weird time. History Channel shows like really odd ones like Aztec Warriors and There's, the History like Channel that. only has like five shows <laughs> the on History it. Channel is not history and then they would, well, they, it was then though this, yeah. is, this is a number this of years was actually ago. before the History Channel yeah before changed. they became what they are now but like the good, uh, the they good would old have, like, days things on about like Aztec <laughs> so then TiVo would recommend like uh greco-roman wrestling and all kinds of really odd we would just mess with their recommendation engine all the time bill you're making fun of my childhood so your childhood yeah i i used to actually enjoy watching the history channel before they ruined it it's so funny to me your childhood included the history channel yeah normal (laughs) child's day of watching world war ii documentaries well i would have killed for the history channel when i was a child 
Um, well, they, you had, were actually making history. I, I had PBS, <laughs> all right? That was my history channel. It, it was also before hey, they had, ruined Sesame Street, you too. You had Cosmos. So. <laughs> you had Cosmos. What else I did, did have you Cosmos. Need? What I else did, you I need? I didn't really need anything else. Anyway, Google decided that their app store was not enough like Apple's, so they're going to make it more <laughs> like Apple's by adding humans and people and analyzing. And I have proof of this. So apparently a long time ago, I wrote an Android app for this very podcast. I didn't. I don't remember doing it, but apparently I did. Well, you have to be drunk to write an Android app, right? It's a. That's the. Tr- <laughs> I must have been really drunk because I don't remember doing it. But they emailed me today, actually, and saying, "Ha uh, ha, we have humans reviewing this, and you haven't updated this app in forever, and we're going to delete it." And I'm like, "All right, go ahead." <laughs> I don't. <laughs> what is it? I'm surprised. This to me is like Google saying we can't write good enough code. Which to me is like well, surprising. How can they not write good enough code to detect this sort of thing? Well, you know, the other thing that Apple does is they actually test for quality and stuff. So if you're building an Apple app, there's like this, uh, basically there's a guidebook that says, you know, fonts have to be this size. Yeah, yeah. This style guide be, and yeah. all that. And, and, they, and they test against that. And if you deviate, they just reject you. So it's more than just security. Um, they're looking for, I mean, Google has the same guide, but they don't enforce any of it. Yeah. Programmatically, though, I would think you could enforce. You could think Google, of all people, could figure out how to say your icons are not yeah. the right size. I know. That's what I'm I mean, saying. They're developing cars that can drive themselves. Exactly. And they so. have ridiculous <laughs> algorithmic, I mean, the analytics. Well, listen, Android's analytics. based on Java. So um, it, can't, it can't run all their algorithms. It's right. not fast enough. It's not fast enough. So if their cars run Java too, I'm going to be really disappointed. <laughs> yeah, their cars are. Their well, cars, I can I can just see that happening. Someone hits their brakes in front of you, and then it's just waiting for Java to catch up. No, no. What happens is next the cars, thing you know, there's a pileup. The cars are actually trains, but they're running car VMs on top of them. <laughs> nice. Just like Android. So this is interesting to about five people on the planet. <laughs> um, apparently, some people figured out how to use heat to hack air-gapped computers. A couple wa- of years ago, it was sound. They could. Do I watched the video, drivers. and it's stupid. It's all stupid. It's so stupid. First of all, they put the computers, like, two inches apart. Yeah, they're literally... And, like, you can <laughs> right. tell in the video when the guy, like, sets up the setup. He spends, like, at least five minutes making sure the computers are perfectly right. right. Okay, that's cool, except well, that's... for when someone in the army walks by and bumps one of the computers and your entire 20-hour <laughs> yeah. attack is... Well, that's the same thing with like the sound attack that they were doing like, with the um, with the sound cards. Ultrasonic, but the this... ultrasonic stuff, you know, it worked great in a lab. It doesn't work in a factory because of background a, or noise a power plant and, yeah. where you've got tons of background or a noise. war zone or war zone. It's the same thing about doing forensics with cold boot. You think you just <laughs> spray some right. freeze you just spray on the ram. It works, right? Just and use that computer cleaner to upside down right. and then just spray it. Yep. I actually spray that at Kelsey all the time. That's pretty fun. Yeah. Except so they do, put that. Do you get what's in her memory? No, it oh. doesn't ever work for that. I tried, though. Yeah. Well, I think I was wondering why someone decided to do this. Just, like, why? Because someone needed to get a degree in something. Yes. So they were like, oh, let's write a thesis about heat. But here's the thing. How does it – so the one computer, they they basically max out the CPU of one computer that heats it up, and then the other computer heats up, too, so they detect that that computer is sending a message? The, I, I don't know. You know how much easier this would have been in the Pentium 4 days? Anything? Well, it, no, it would be impossible because every every uh, CPU is running at like a hundred degrees already, <laughs> so it would be yeah, impossible to detect. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't I, I'm not gonna lie. My math isn't strong enough to understand how that all works, but or my physics. But um, 
We need Dennis on the I mean, podcast I assume, to explain it. I assume they just heat up the one CPU and then look at the sensors of the other CPU if it's maintained constant. I guess, but again, that would only work in a lab environment. Yeah, never what if we're going to have those constants well, in production? What you if have it a gets zero then if it's hot <laughs> and a, a one if it's cold? What if it gets <laughs> sunny in the lab, or what if it gets sunny in the place you're trying to bypass an air gap, or what if the, one of the engineers in that area just comes by and runs like some software on it that heats it up? Corey, you don't understand. People don't run software. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's so we, many variables. I mean, yeah, there's just there's too many for it to not work in a there's strict no lab way. environment. The, the, like some the ultrasonic thing that could work in an office environment at least. This could never work but, anywhere. But here's the problem. Here's the problem with it, and it actually does go to like our next topic here. People do this, like security researchers and pen testers. Where are you? There you are, pen testers. I didn't do it. They do this a lot where, and, and it's it's actually a huge disservice to technology in general where, you know, you're saying, I can attack you with heat. And it almost, you know, if you're a layperson, you really, you know, and there are other people that just don't get it. You I mean, buy into it. You go, wait, pen testers have heat ray guns <laughs> or bad guys have heat ray guns that they can shoot at my computer. But I mean, honestly, think about how it sounds to a person who's not versed in technology. I really want a heat ray you know, gun. If that I, I showed my mom that story. My mom, who, you know, she'll admit, I don't like computers. They're not my friend. Um, she wants to play her casino games, and that's it. She'd be horrified if I told her you could use heat to attack a machine. In her head, she would see somebody holding a super hair dryer pointed at a computer. And getting know, a virus on it because of and that. And getting a virus or being attacked or something like that. And it's just, first of all, it's, it's crap. I mean, because you know it can't really work. Yeah. The problem is some pen tester somewhere is going to write that on a report, and an executive is going to be telling people, we need to heat shield all of our computers. <laughs> I mean, we, it's going to happen. To be FIPS compliant, it must be heat shielded and within more than five inches away from any other. We're thing. laughing about it now, but I guarantee you. Oh, the, the papers are already being drafted. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I guarantee that's what's happening. Because it's some new thing that, you know, oh, they think it's new anyway. Well, then you're going to get the auditor that just can't find any vulnerability and they'll be like, insufficient heat shielding. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you're not PCI also, this, compliant. Also, this isn't, uh, it's not resistant to an EMP attack. Um. Right. We're not, I mean, it's, you know. Well, here's the thing. So the question is, is it really best practice to air gap computers right next to each other? Well, is no. Is that a thing that we do? No, no, it isn't. Um, is air gapping computers even really a thing that people do? Well, yes, yes they do that for centrifuges. Yep, in, in industrial control in systems do air gapping. They do. That's one of their huge security mechanisms. In fact, the sound attack was based on an industrial control system. So basically, you have the controller, and then you have you know another system out here yeah. that, that monitors all of the stuff, but it does not talk to it directly. Uh, now, I did. I have learned. We have a customer that's in that sort of a space. And I've learned a lot by dealing with their logs and stuff. And the whole air gapping thing is really just what they call a one-way firewall. So the, the machine behind the one-way firewall can send traffic out, but no traffic can get in. Because literally, physically, it, it is disabled. It's, it single cannot, du it's not duplex. It's, right. Or it's not, single duplex. Yeah. It, it can do nothing else. It, it has no T or RX. It's, yeah. it's, so it can't receive any packets inbound. Interesting. Um, Makes TCP work really well. <laughs> well, it's actually an interest, a really interesting project. I can't talk too much about it, obviously. But basically what we're trying to do is get logs out of those machines behind that thing. Um, <laughs> so it's been an interesting and fun project. Send but, it a uh, ping, and if it doesn't send anything back, <laughs> then you can't do anything. <laughs> kind of. kind of, it kind of, It's kind of like that. Um, 
So, but, yeah, like industrial right. control security is basically either it's air gapped or it's directly connected to the internet. Right. <laughs> so it's all or nothing. No in between. <laughs> so here's the. Okay. So is an air gap better than a firewall? Is that really. No. I mean, no. I in like most situations, no. Because I feel like an unpatched air-gapped machine is more vulnerable than well, a patched... Well, because then, you you know, it's physical proximity, right? Yeah. So where I would prefer, prefer stuff like that is like, you know, like CAT scan machines or stuff that can actually kill me or nuclear reactors. Yeah. I think it is better. In stuff that they're not going to patch anyway. Right. You ain't going to patch that anyway because, you know, oh, so, oh Dave patched the uh, nuclear regulator. And now Dave. it doesn't oh. work. Now we're over... Yeah. Now we've so. overheated. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Why they oh well, <laughs> they should run Arch Linux, obviously. Arch, obviously, it should be Arch Linux. <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, the the next story was: Are you afraid of technology? You shouldn't be. I, and honestly, I don't think you should be afraid of technology. What you should be afraid of are technologists, people that get into this mindset of laughing at somebody because they don't understand that you're not going to hack a computer that's not connected to you with heat wave. It's just not going to happen. It's not reality. Yeah, I think a lot of people are scared of technology. And you're right that pen testers, well, not necessarily pen testers, but I would say independent security researchers or just really bored students that need yeah. to make a thesis, they're <laughs> they're not making it any better. No. <laughs> because no, when, yeah, I mean. Well, I, I use the pen tester example because, you know, I see a lot of our, a lot of our competitors reports and, and customers ask me to judge them a lot when we're not doing the pen test. Like we're managing a customer's network or something like that. Typically, we aren't the only pen test they have, at least if they're listening to me. If they're smart, yeah. If they're listening to me, we're not the only pen tester they have, but they'll show me the reports. Our reports are like, you know, 10 pages or 12 pages or something. And the other report is three or 400 pages because it's a bunch of stuff that... To scare them, basically. Basically, to scare them and get them to pay more money, but also, that just doesn't matter. I mean, the attack is never going to happen. It's a hypothetical that's just never going to happen. And if it does, I'll give you 500 bucks. <laughs> Out of Tom's pocket. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> Tom is generous. I approve. Um, yeah, I don't... I, really, the people that we need to be scared of? Developers. Well, we can all agree on that. Developers are horrible people. I think that now that the secu- cybersecurity is taking more of a center stage in the national media and national political discussion it's becoming something that people are more afraid of well but again it's also a thing where you know the government's trying to make people afraid of it because they don't really want you to understand it i mean they they really don't it's against their best interest for you to understand that they don't have laser guns they They want you to think that ssl could hurt children yep and they want you to think the nsa can break into anything because they're the government yeah so the ssl just think of the children anyway don't be afraid of technology. Be afraid of people. And really, people a lot horrible. of this stuff isn't that hard or complicated. No. You just have to have the right mindset and understand the basics. Absolutely. So on that, um, in our security mindset section, someone's recommending we should start focusing on the interior. Genius. <laughs> wow. Wow. What a, what Thanks, a revelation. Kelsey. And then somebody else says we should have some secure coding practices. Imagine that. Some. I almost uh, fell over any. my chair. Any would be great. <laughs> But again, you know, schools aren't teaching it. So That's true. People are coming out. Schools you know. are teaching Java. Exactly. So, <laughs> well, I mean, you realize that any good school is going to be reactionary to what's actually used in the industry. One of our guys who's, you know, writing immensely great code <clears throat> tells me every day when he leaves for school, well, I'm going to go learn to make a Cat5 cable. Everything's going wireless. <laughs> what do you need to make Cat Five? Also, Cat Six is out, and it's much easier to use. Yeah, it is. It's harder to terminate, though. 
No, it's not. You got the little bars before you put it in the slot. It's so much easier. <laughs> you do have that, but the twist ratios and everything. Oh, well, no one actually does that. But if, if fortunately, if you're Tom does. completely Tom colorblind, does. you could still work with Cat 6 just based on, you know, the tightness of the twist. You can tell what So here's the question. See, I have a talent that you guys don't know. I can actually hear people tuning out right now because they wow. just don't care. That is amazing. They're that, pressing that is, the pause button. That is true. And then deleting the podcast. <laughs> but, I, I can hear it. As soon if, as Tom if, starts talking about Cat 6, if they that's ma- it. If they, ma- if they made it this far, they deserve an award. <laughs> they do, but they don't deserve you talking about Cat 6 cables. Yeah. If you made it this far, that. contact Tom by email to get a free sample of his Cat 6 cables. I will totally do that. If I get some email that says they actually heard this in the podcast, <laughs> you're going to be my biggest hero. You will get a free Cat 6 cable. I, I, I'm not lying. <laughs> Up to five feet, no batteries included. That's yeah. right. Uh, this offer is limited to the first to 10 listeners who reply to that. I know it'll never happen. Because after that, your hands are going to hurt. <laughs> um, anyway, so the last one is offensive security the future. No. There. I answered it. What does that it's even mean? <laughs> what is offensive? What are they claiming offensive security even is? Basically, it's one of two things. I'm going to elaborate on it even though I've not read the article because I don't care. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I was bored by the title. I didn't click on it. It was not good clickbait. Bad job, Kelsey. Should have gone to BuzzFeed instead. Should have done something else. But um, basically, it's one of two things. It's either pen testing, which is not the future. How is that the future? By itself, not the future. Or it's this idea that you should be counter hacking, right? So I attack Dave's network. Dave decides he's going to attack me back. No, that's not the future. That's stupid. That is stupid. If we've learned nothing from the Cold War, that is not really the greatest strategy. Oh, you're going to kill me? Well, I'm going to kill you too. And that's going to an eye for an eye network style. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, except you know, you're not going to actually kill anybody with a network for the most part, unless it's an industrial control system, right? Or a cat scan, or a cat scan. I wonder if you could actually kill somebody. I'm sure you could. I'm sure you could. It's running XP. I'm sure the the vendors have developed some sort of safety switch that's not connected. I'm sure that's happened. But it's also probably designed to go on an isolated network. What would you do? Like move the the tray back and forth until they like (laughs) get sick and throw up or something? No, you just (laughs) turn the magnet up to max. Bodies are not still not magnetic. You're not going to hurt someone that way. I can guarantee if you have a magnet that's going high enough, someone is going to have some problems oh my god now he's talking about magnets <laughs> what do you mean we don't have magnet. any li- listen guys we've only got like three listeners to begin with they can't afford to lose what them, do you right? mean a magnet that goes high up high enough what does that mean you know like the centrifuges and the yeah you know, he's the, still talking what, about magnets he's so how is the on. how is that going to cause the human body to be more sensitive to magnetism when it's not Enough of any sort of radiation is bad. Not, magnetism is not radiation. Yes, it is. yes it is. It's a mag- light is radiation. But it's not. There's no if particles. I, if magnetism. I held you up to the you sun, have, like, you have iron in your blood and zinc. That, I mean, so so yes. If under fluorescent lights like in here, you're not gonna have a listen, problem. Tom, the problem. Let me, let me cut to the chase here because you guys talking about <laughs> magnets is gonna kill people. People are going to be jumping off see, the roof. Disclaimer, see? I know nothing about magnetism. So, Just by talking no, no. about MRIs, we are killing people. Neither of you <laughs> neither of you have read enough comic books. This that is, is your problem. That is a true statement. There is a character in the comic books called Magneto. He can control metal. He can actually control people because they have iron in their blood. So iron is obviously magnetic. So yes, you could hurt somebody. End of Magneto story. Can. Cool. See? All right. All right, fine. We're good. So a computer-controlled Magneto. Right. That's what basically what every CAT scan is. Yes, well, it, that's the name of Tom's new malware that takes over <laughs> CAT scanners. Magneto. Anyway. Um, <laughs> See Tom for more malware. Coming to, a bot, coming to a botnet near you. 
So our, uh, our our tip of the week is basically around time wasting. I'm on a I'm on a holy war here at this place to get guys to stop having to waste their time doing nonsense and like these rote sort of tasks. So I actually really like these. This is like the best. Yeah, these article. were really good, really good tips, yeah. and it's all actually around a lot of the stuff that I'm doing. Where, um, whereas I think Dave could probably attest to, there's a number of things we do that make no sense. Like we shouldn't be doing them because they're dumb. Not because they're dumb, they're necessary. They're but time we can, wasting. We can automate them, and we can get rid of it. So my my general rule of thumb is a, if it's something that you do and it's exactly the same more than three times. We're going to put it on a list to be automated. Script it. And, and be done with it because I need people, you know, we want people focused on their jobs, not on clicking buttons in some random web service. So it's a really good article. Kelsey, I imagine, will put it up on the, uh, on, the, on the podcast site so you guys can look at it. But it was a really good article. I actually really enjoyed reading it. So people should read that one, I think. The one that hit me the hardest was the one that was like, don't think you can do everything. And I was like, oh, that makes me sad because <laughs> I want to do everything. Right. Like I'm that person that's like, someone's like, oh, yeah, we're going to do Splunk. And I'm like, oh, Splunk, yeah. give me the project. That, like, is, I'm, that is actually a true story, Corey. Is I'm, that's like my biggest weakness. Is, Just like today, I was complaining about something because – they they haven't got they uh, open that hasn't released um, uh, binary packages or uh, their virtual appliance for version eight yet and I was complaining because their sources I mean it's nice to have the source available it's like eight different packages you have to compile manually it's ten, ten different packages each one of them has like fifty dependencies yeah. that you need I was just complaining about it and Corey was like hey I'll do it for you if you want <laughs> I wasn't asking you to do it I was just like I actually it will doesn't exist so. I actually plan this into my schedule and I'm probably going to do this <laughs> later and next week he'll be like nope still sucks we're not going to use it but probably but he will have put in all that work so Corey is like that I'll, I'll vouch I for him I am the that. problem he is one of these seven problems. Um, so anyway, read that. Uh, that's all. That's all we got this week. Uh, so thanks for listening, et cetera, et cetera. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.